SEP Fanfic Readings presents Finding Hermione by Ebook Dragon Chapter 43 The Wizengamot January 17th Draco had been up half the night, dwelling on what he knew while he held Hermione in his arms. As the clock struck midnight, Draco started the process of pushing the disturbing revelations of the night before into a box. He packed the box away in the recesses of his mind. It was how he'd survived the war. The process took much more time than it used to. He was out of practice after all these years. Draco awoke not quite as refreshed as he hoped he would be. He brimmed with excitement as he greeted the day. The day had finally arrived. Four and a half months since the day on the platform. Such a short amount of time, yet so much had happened within the span of those four months. Draco already looked forward to the end of the day when they could walk from the council chamber and Hermione would have the ability to set herself free from Ronald Weasley. While Draco was full of self-assurance that the day would go as planned, Hermione was a mass of nerves. She had spent the early morning with her head hanging over the toilet, trying to retch up the non-existent contents of her stomach. Whether her dry heaving was a result of nerves or the early arrival of morning sickness, Draco wasn't exactly sure. He tried to be a supportive partner and hold her hair, but was resoundingly shouted out for being in the bathroom while she was trying to turn her stomach inside out. Hermione came down to breakfast looking decidedly green. When he rose to fix her a plate of food, she glared at him. Draco took that as a hint that she wouldn't thank him for waiting on her hand and foot at the moment. An underfilled plate of food would set down in front of her seat with a snap. Draco rose and pulled out her chair for her. She sullenly allowed him that small courtesy. Draco kissed the top of her head as he pushed her chair in and murmured, "'Everything will go fine today, love. You'll see.' Draco sat down and saw Hermione gnawing on her lip rather than eating the meager amount of eggs she placed on her plate. "'Everyone is going to vote against me,' Hermione fretted. "'I just know it. This is going to be a catastrophe, and I'm going to be the laughingstock of Wizarding Britain. We're going to have to move to France. No, that won't be far enough. We'll have to move to America. That's a big place. They won't know who we are there.' Well, at least she was planning on taking him with her on her panicked and disgraced flight from the country. Draco was secretly amused that she thought that they would lose today. He knew it was just nerves. He remembered being unable to eat before his first council meeting. "'We're not going to have to emigrate to America, Lioness,' Draco said reassuringly. "'How do you know?' Hermione retorted. Draco started rattling off the names of the people they knew were going to vote with them. "'Harry, Greg, Theo, Daphne, Tracy, Blaze, Neville... "'Hannah, Mr. Parkinson, you and me,' Draco said, pointing at Hermione and then himself for the last two. "'That is more than enough to win, and none of those people will change their votes.' Hermione sighed. "'I'm being silly,' she said, looking a bit embarrassed. "'It's normal to be nervous,' Draco assured her. Tansy appeared at the doorway, connecting the dining room to the kitchen. She handed each of them an envelope, bearing the seal of the Ministry of Magic in red wax on the back. Draped over one arm were Hermione's Wizengamot robes, with her family coat of arms embroidered on one side and the large W on the other. Draco took the envelope addressed to him, and broke the seal, and pulled out the folded parchment. He unfolded it to read the familiar lines that he'd received many times during his time serving on the Wizengamot. Draco Lucius Malfoy, representative of the most noble house of Malfoy. Mr. Malfoy, you are hereby summoned to represent your family and the Wizengamot Council. This closed council session will be to rule on Bill Number 523583, otherwise known as the Granger Bill. The council meeting starts at ten o'clock in the morning, today, the 17th day of January. 
Council will be held in the private council chambers. The doors will lock precisely at 10 o'clock sharp and will not reopen until a two-thirds majority is reached. House elves are permitted to bring food and drinks while council is in session. Sincerely, Kingsley Shacklebolt, Minister of Magic, representative of the Most Noble House of Shacklebolt. Most Noble House of Granger, Hermione said with some amusement. Sounds a bit pretentious. Just a bit, Draco smirked. It's tradition. I'm surprised I didn't receive a howler from Kingsley instead of a summons, Hermione said with some curiosity. He likely doesn't know your council member yet, Draco said. The summons are all written magically. Here are your robes, Mr. Hermione, Tansy interrupted, holding up the Wizogamot robes for Hermione to inspect. Thank you, Tansy, Hermione said, taking the robes from the elf. She looked over at him as she stood and slipped the robes on and smoothed them down. I suppose we should go in case the flu is busy. Do you plan on going to the ministry in your pajamas? Draco pointed out. Hermione looked down at her Wizengamot robes draped over her pajamas and laughed. I'm pretty sure I had a nightmare about this once. Draco waggled his eyebrows. We could go upstairs and see what you look like in just your robes, he suggested with a grin. Hermione grinned back at him. Later, she tossed over her shoulder as she sauntered out of the room with a sachet to her hips that Draco found immensely alluring. With contemplations of victory sex occupying his mind, Draco sent a Patronus, his new favorite mode of communication as he got to show off his dragon Patronus, to his mother, and asked her to keep Rose overnight. He received a reply not ten minutes later in the form of a hastily penned note delivered by her personal house-elf, Petunia. "'Draco, I am, of course, happy to have Rose over for the night. I will take her to school in the morning.' While I am proud that you are able to produce a corporeal Patronus, and that it is a dragon, having such a large Patronus burst in on me while in the bath will likely lead me to an early grave. With love, Mother. P.S. Good luck today, and give my love to Hermione. Draco chuckled and returned upstairs to finish getting ready. They were at the flu all too soon for Draco's liking. Hermione refused to be distracted by Draco's wandering hands. He got swatted quite a few times for his trouble. Hermione did look tempting in her champagne-colored dress with a long-sleeve lace black overlay on a flared skirt. Hermione was gnawing on her lip as Draco threw the flu powder into the fireplace. He called out for the Ministry of Magic and they stepped in. They seemed to spin for longer than necessary while waiting for a flu connection at the Ministry to open up. By the time they stopped spinning, Draco was feeling a little nauseous. He looked down at Hermione in time to see her slip an anti-nausea potion out of her purse and down it. A ginger-scented burp escaped her before she could stifle it. The atrium of the Ministry of Magic was filled with a cacophony of noise. Witches and wizards of all age filled the atrium as they milled around talking. They all seemed to be waiting for something. Flashes of light burst randomly throughout the area. "'What is going on here?' Hermione asked Draco quietly. "'I haven't seen it this crowded since the end of the war.' Draco had to take her word that it had been busy during the Death Eater trials. He had been locked up in a cell in the dungeons of the Ministry awaiting his fate. "'It's a mighty Granger!' said an older, brown-haired witch wearing a large, black witch's hat with peacock feathers tipping out of the brim. The crowd around them heard and turned to stare at Hermione and Draco. A buzz rose up around them as the arrival of Hermione Granger traveled throughout the crowd. Draco wrapped a protective arm around Hermione. He was never really comfortable around a crowd this size. He was about ready to grab Hermione and flew to another place in the ministry, when Luna and a bemused-looking Harry shouldered their way through the crowd. "'Why are they all here?' Draco asked Harry as he shook Harry's hand in greeting. "'To support Hermione, of course,' Luna answered. "'Well, we're going to get locked out if we don't get through this crowd,' Draco fretted. 
Theo was not going to be happy with them if they got locked out of this council meeting. I've got this, Hermione said, and cast a sonorous charm on herself. Her voice boomed out and echoed across the atrium. Thank you all for coming out to show your support of this bill. It means the world to me to see you all here. We need to get through to get to the council chamber so that we can vote on this important bill. Hermione wasn't a politician. That much was certain by the very politely phrased, get out of my way, but it worked, and the people parted like the Red Sea. She had the love of the people, though. She was their golden girl. Draco followed behind as the chosen one, and the golden girl made their way through the throng of people. Draco spotted the dragon-like features of Mrs. Edvard in the crowd. Beside her stood Lavender Brown. Draco almost stopped at his tracks as he took in the appearance of Lavender Brown. Her dirty blonde hair was brushed away from her face, and the werewolf scars that marred her features were purposely left visible for those around them to see. Lavender had a defiant expression, and Draco noticed that there was a gap in the crowd between Lavender and the people beside her. An elevator door was held open for the three, and they made the trip to the Wizengamot Council chamber in nervous silence. The elevator pinged when it reached their destination, and the doors slid open to reveal the cheery, brightly lit Wizengamot lobby. A large and slightly elevated reception desk guarded the entrance to the Wizengamot offices and council chamber. They passed through the door behind the reception desk. Fourteen doors lined either side of the long hallway, with fourteen desks set off to each side of the doors on either side. Many of the oak desks showed obvious signs of occupation, while others looked like desolate islands. Draco pointed out Hermione's new office to her as they passed, the sixth door down on the right. She was directly across from Daphne's seldom-used office. The Lestrange crest on the door had not changed yet, and would not until Hermione took possession of the office. Theo paced in front of the open double doors of the Wizzagamot Council Chamber. He looked up when he heard the sounds of their footsteps. He chucked his watch and gestured for them to hurry. "'Come on, come on! You are cutting it a little close!' They sped up their pace, and all four walked into the room just as the clock hanging outside the door started chiming the hour. As the tenth chime sounded, the heavy oaken doors of the Wizengamot swung shut, with a resounding thud and the clicking of locks could be heard. Hermione turned from her perusal of the magical door, and the milling members got their first look at the different face in the room. Hermione's appearance was no surprise to the people who witnessed her induction the previous evening. Kingsley Shacklebolt reacted as Draco suspected. "'What is the meaning of this intrusion, Mrs. Granger?' he bellowed. "'You are in the Wizengamot Council Chamber. This is a closed Wizengamot Council session.' Marvelous. Then I'm in the right spot, then,' Hermione said airily. She looked around the room. "'Now, where is my seat?' "'Seat?' Shacklebolt choked. Draco tried with difficulty to hold back his laughter. Shacklebolt was completely at a loss for how to deal with Hermione's breezy attitude in the face of his anger. Draco heard Theo snort and tried to cover it up as a sneeze. "'Yes, seat,' Hermione answered with an innocent smile. "'You did send me a summons.' "'I most certainly did not,' Shacklebolt spluttered indignantly. "'Oh, where is it?' Hermione said as she made a show of fishing around in her purse. She pulled out the summons with a flourish and opened it deliberately. Hermione then started to read the form letter aloud. "'Hermione Jean Granger, representative of the most noble house of Granger. "'Mrs. Granger, you are hereby summoned to represent your family on the Wizengamot Council. "'This closed council session will be to rule on Bill Number 523583, otherwise known as the Granger Bill. "'The council meeting starts at ten o'clock in the morning today, the 17th of January. "'Council will be held in the private council chambers. "'The doors will lock precisely at ten o'clock sharp and will not reopen until two-thirds majority is reached.' Households are permitted to bring food and drinks while council is in session. Sincerely, Kingsley Shacklebolt, Minister of Magic, representative of the most noble house of Shacklebolt. 
Hermione folded up her summons with a self-satisfied smirk. She tucked the letter back into her purse. This is not possible, Strucklebolt boomed. Draco rolled his eyes. The minister was starting to remind him of Scorpius when he was three and started throwing temper tantrums when he didn't get his way. It would make Draco's day to watch the Minister of Magic throw himself on the floor, kicking and screaming. Theo cleared his throat, and Draco looked over at his friend. Theo cocked his head over to where Daphne was already seated. "'Allow me to show you to your seat, my love,' Draco said sweetly. "'Thank you, darling,' Hermione responded just as sweetly. Draco wrapped an arm around Hermione's waist and guided her over to where Daphne was seated. A large circular table dominated the center of the room— the center of the circle was hollow, and showed the gleaming black marble floors. Around the council table there were twenty-eight high-backed chairs. The backs of each chair were carved with the coat of arms of each house. "'Hold your scroll in your hand,' Draco instructed Hermione as they neared Hermione's place at the table. Hermione took out the scroll, giving her ownership of the Lestrange seat, and held it in her hand. "'You know what to do from here?' Draco asked. Hermione nodded and bit her lip nervously. Draco pressed a quick kiss to her lips and walked over to take his own place beside Theo. The other council members had moved to take their own seats while Draco escorted Hermione to hers. A hush fell over the room as they watched Hermione step up to her place at the table and set her scroll over the Lestrange family coat of arms. They all watched as the coat of arms faded to white on the table, the chair behind Hermione and the tapestry on the wall. The Granger family coat of arms replaced the blanks. Hermione took her seat behind the table— a few people leaned forward, waiting to see if the seat burned Hermione. Shacklebolt sat back with a sigh of disappointment. Draco shot the minister a glare and made a mental note to start ruining his career if the minister didn't start shaping up his act. The council recognizes Hermione Granger as representative of the most noble house of Granger, Percy said haltingly. Fine, Shacklebolt said impatiently. Let's get on with this nonsense. Shacklebolt opened up a file and started reading in a disinterested voice. We are here today to make a ruling on Bill 523583, otherwise known as the Granger Bill. We will start the proceedings by taking a preliminary vote. Those prepared to place a vote, please do so now. Draco slapped a hand firmly on the yay circle on the table in front of him. A green light appeared in front of his portion of the hollowed-out circle of the table. Other green lights appeared around the circle just as quickly. Four red lights lit up around the table as well. Percy stood again to announce the results. Twelve votes yay, four votes nay. The families of Abbott, Black, Carrow, Greengrass, Granger, Longbottom, Malfoy, Knott, Parkinson, Raoul, Shafiq, and Travers have registered yay votes. The families of Flint, Ollivander, Shacklebolt, and Weasley have registered nay votes. A preliminary majority has been reached. Opening arguments may commence. A loud bong resounded throughout the room. Half past ten, then. Kingsley Shacklebolt stood and looked around the room, meeting the eyes of everyone assembled. His gaze stayed on Hermione as he started to speak. "'This bill is nothing more than two people trying to manipulate our legal system in order to have their way. Are we going to destroy our culture and our community for the sake of two people? The well-being of wizarding community of Britain means more to me than the wishes of two people. Are we seriously going to sit here and contemplate this ludicrous bill so that Hermione Granger can rid herself of an inconvenient husband? How can we allow her to get away with this?' How can we allow Hermione Granger to destroy our values and beliefs? The minister continued, attacking Hermione and her motives for bringing up this bill, attacking Draco for entering into an adulterous affair with Hermione, the both of them bringing about the downfall of Ronald Weasley, and dire predictions of the fate of Wizarding Britain should this bill be allowed to pass. 
Draco remained quiet throughout Shacklebolt's vitriolic speech. He watched the group of people assembled. Harry looked enraged, and seemed that his white-knuckled grip on the arms of his chair was the only thing keeping him from launching himself at the minister. Flora rolled her eyes impatiently. Marley Flint was nodding along with the minister's points and wrapping his knuckles in agreement on the table in front of him. Daphne appeared to listen with a studiously blank face. Hermione smiled serenely at the minister. Neville huffed and crossed his arms in front of his chest. Theo leaned on an elbow on the arm of his chair, covering his mouth with his hand in a contemplative way. Garrick Ollivander looked offended by the minister's speech. Jonathan Parkinson glared across the table at Marley Flint. Tracy affected an air of boredom and yawned widely into her hand. Blaze, who had the seat beside Shacklebolt, watched the minister with narrowed eyes. Greg looked genuinely bored. Percy Weasley was watching the reactions of those around him, just like Draco, and shaking his head. Percy at least realized what the minister didn't. Attacking Hermione wasn't going to win him any points. Kingsley sat at the end of his speech and looked around him. Only then did he seem to take in the expressions of those around him. His jaw clenched in anger, and he glared around the table. The clock struck eleven. Hermione stood and brushed her fingertips across the wood of the table in front of her. "'Minister, you claim that this bill is merely a creation of mine and Draco's, in order to force through a divorce because of our relationship. On September 26th, long before Draco and I entered into any relationship, I came to your office and pleaded with you to grant me a divorce.' I told you my husband was abusing me. I offered to allow you to inspect my memories. What did you tell me, Minister? Hermione paused to allow the Minister to answer. Shackerbolt stared stonily at her. You said that I was my husband's property to do with as he saw fit, Hermione continued. You, Minister, said that I, Hermione Jean Granger, war heroine, Order of Merlin First Class, was the property of my husband. Hermione pointed at the minister as she spoke. "'You tried to force me back to my husband, my abusive, lying, cheating husband. You forced me to resign my job in order to preserve my safety.' Flint seemed to be the only one not disgusted by this revelation. Draco's estimation of Percy Weasley rose considerably at the look of Percy was giving the minister. Weasley may not like the bell, but it wasn't because he bought into the subjugation of women. Draco and Percy never got along— Percy always seemed to object to whatever Draco proposed, more on misguided rivalry than any flaw with Draco's proposals. Plus, Percy had always been a kiss-ass, and Kingsley was obviously strongly opposed to the bill. That thought made Draco wonder about Kingsley's views. Was it all women he was trying to keep down, or just Hermione? If it was only Hermione, then that posed the question of why. It brought back the question behind Hermione's less-than-meteoric rise within the Ministry. Draco watched as Hermione's gaze swept across the table. Her eyes met his, and her mouth quirked a little in a smile. "'We fought a war,' Hermione started again more quietly. "'People died on both sides because one man believed that certain people in our society are better than others. How can we claim that the Light won the war when we still believe certain members of our society are better than others?' The pounding of fists on the table resounded throughout the room. Hermione continued— this bill is not just about me trying to get a divorce from my husband, Minister. This bill is about a basic right that all wizarding folk should have. We will not destroy society by allowing divorce. We will strengthen it. I ask that you look into your hearts and consider what you think is best for wizarding society, and that you vote with your heart and your conscience. Hermione resumed her seat to thunderous applause. She smiled triumphantly as she looked around the room. 
She is quite extraordinary, Theo said with appreciation. That she is, Theo, Draco said, smiling over at Hermione. Percy Weasley stood, and Draco barely suppressed a groan. He hated Percy's speeches. Pompous windbag. Judging by your faces and who you all are, I am certain that this vote is a foregone conclusion. I ask that you consider what you are setting loose on our society. Matrimonial bonds are not meant to be broken. They are entwined with our magical cause. You could damage the magical cause of people seeking divorce. You could be condemning our people to live their lives without magic. Theo made to rise to speak, but Flora's impatient voice cut across the silence in the room. "'Did you not bother to read the bill, Mr. Weasley?' Flora asked. Flora didn't bother to rise to address Percy. "'There is an entire section detailing how to break the matrimonial bonds without any damage to either party. Anyone who bothered to read it or has any knowledge of matrimonial bonds would understand that.' Theo leaned back in his chair and made a show of scratching his stubble to hide the smirk on his face. Percy flushed crimson at the rebuke. He sat back in his chair and appeared to deflate. The clock struck half-past eleven. Theo made a show of looking at his watch. Garrick Ollivander spoke up from between Theo and Jonathan Parkinson. He didn't bother to rise to gain everyone's attention or control the floor. "'My concern with this bill is not with the couple getting divorced, but their offspring. Divorce is not always going to be an amical splitting of two parties. Parents will fight.' Parents will bring their children into the fight, and the children may be forced to pick a side, to pick one parent over another. The mental health of these children in these divorced homes is my primary concern and objection. The room fell quiet as they took in Ollivander's heartfelt words. If anything could sway people from Hermione's side, this was the argument. Shacklebolt and Flint looked smug. Percy looked like there still might be hope of a win. A throat cleared, disrupting the quiet in the room. Greg shifted uncomfortably in his chair. He rose slowly to his feet. Greg stared down at the table in front of him. His hand brushed across the Travers family crest on the table. My family. Greg started gruffly addressing the wood of the table in front of him. He cleared his throat and started again. My family were Death Eaters. Greg looked uncomfortable by his admission. They held tight to the pure-blood ideals, preserving the purity of blood and family, making alliances through arranged marriages. Greg released a deep breath and looked up to gaze around the room. My mother's name was Melanie Travers. I imagine many of you knew her. She was a Hufflepuff. Unusual for a Travers, Greg said with a sardonic smile. She was warm and good. She made the best chocolate chip cookies. She was forced into an arranged marriage with my father. My father was a hard man, a bully. It wasn't a good match. They fought a lot. Greg looked over at Ollivander and addressed him. "'I understand your concerns, but parents will fight whether they're married or divorced. I know arranged marriages aren't common anymore. Something I know we're all so thankful for, but that doesn't mean that people will choose their spouses better. It doesn't mean that people don't fall out of love, grow apart, or have issues that no amount of therapy will fix. Children deserve to grow up in happy homes, and I believe that this bill gives them a good shot at that.' Hermione's supporters started knocking on the table in support of Greg. Greg sat down, his cheeks and neck flushed crimson. The minister looked around the table. He wasn't able to hide his angry expression. He'd lost, and he knew it. Draco just couldn't understand why he was fighting this bill so hard. Why did it matter to him so much that divorce not be introduced into their legal system? Flint, Shacklebolt addressed Marley Flint. Anything to add? 
Flint shook his head. I don't think it would matter. We lost before we walked in here. The minister sighed in resignation. He waved a hand at Percy in an all-right-let's-get-this-over-with gesture. Percy stood and said with a defeated air, On the matter of Bill Number 523583, otherwise known as the Granger Bill, please indicate your vote. The only change was Ollivander, who voted for the bill instead of against it. The minister shot the old wandmaker a betrayed look. Percy intoned wearily. Bill number 523583 passes with a 13-3 to vote. The locks on the door clicked open. The minister, not bothering to wait for anyone else, stormed from the room. They could hear the sound of an office door slamming down the hall. Marley Flint wasn't far behind the minister, though he left the room with far less emotion. They all started to get up from their chairs and gather in small groups, talking together. Ollivander caught Draco's arm and pulled him away from his conversation with Theo. "'I have done some reflecting since yesterday,' Ollivander started. His gaze flicked over to Hermione's chair. "'I feel I may have done great harm when I said nothing all those years ago.' "'I understand that you thought you were protecting her,' Draco said. "'I'm glad that she'll be able to get a divorce,' Ollivander continued. "'Just remember an old wizard's plea from time to time, and think of the welfare of the children. I see so many people pass through my shop.' so full of excitement and magic. It would break my heart to see that light fade from their eyes. Draco nodded, and the old wizard shuffled his way from the room. Draco looked around for Hermione. He couldn't find her in any of the little groups around the room. Daphne caught his gaze, and her eyes flicked to the chair she was standing behind. Harry, Hannah, and Neville stood with Daphne, trying to carry on a conversation with one another, though all four looked concerned. Draco made his way quickly over to them. What's going on? he asked before he went over to Hermione. "'I think she's just overwhelmed,' Daphne explained. Draco moved past them to stand in between Daphne and Hermione's chairs. He found Hermione sitting in a state of shock, staring blankly in front of her. Draco noticed that her hands were trembling in her lap. Draco tucked a curl behind her ear, and Hermione startled. She turned her face up to his and smiled tremulously. "'We won,' Hermione said in disbelief. Draco grinned down at her. Was there ever any doubt? I didn't dare hope that we'd win. And then Ollivander made that speech about the mental health of the children, and I thought we'd lost for sure. Hermione stood and wrapped her arms around his waist. Draco hugged her back and kissed the top of her head. We really won, she murmured in his chest. I'm going to be free of him. The group made their way out of the Wisingamot council chamber. The doors closed softly behind them. Shouting could be heard emanating from Shacklebolt's office. Draco knew that there was a lot of work to do to prepare for the bill to become available to the majority of Wizarding Britain on the 1st of February. Those that could prove that they were in danger by staying with their spouses could be granted an immediate divorce starting now. The rest would have to wait. They had a department to set up, people to employ, and copies of the new laws made available to the lawyers. Judging by the shouting coming from behind the minister's door, he would push the workload onto them in retribution for pushing this law through. But that was a problem for another day. They had won— and Hermione would be free of Weasley, permanently and irrevocably.